Back empowers you to get it together with a single digital wallet. Use Back to aggregate, convert, send, and spend digital assets like crypto, loyalty, and rewards points, and gift cards. Go to backedbakt.com to sign up for the early access program today and start treating your digital assets just like cash. And I also want to give a shout out to Kraken. With Kraken, the cryptocurrency exchange, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or even earn additional rewards through their industry-leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit Kraken.com now to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. And it's been an interesting few weeks for the cryptocurrency world. We've seen a number of firms announce or signal their intentions to allocate to Bitcoin. But we're going to focus on Ethereum and the world of DeFi. Today, we have the team over at Cryptex coming on the show. Joe and Preston, they've been hard at work developing their token to capture the entire value of the crypto market, leveraging technology and oracles from Chainlink. They're going to break that down. We're going to talk about ETH 2.0 and where they see the space going and where they see the interest coming from. Preston, Joe, thank you for joining us today. Walk us through the project and, and how it came to fruition. What's up, Frank? Thank you for having us on the the podcast it's uh nice to be here with you i hope you're enjoying the candle i sent you bro glad I, glad i was able to get that down there but uh yeah back back with um you know what we've been doing over here i have been a uh trader you know my my entire life i have been in investing and trading and um wanted to take my knowledge into the space and build something that uh i felt was beneficial to you know, the industry to DeFi. And I had come up with the concept to create a total market cap project. So TCAP is built by Cryptex. It captures the entire cryptocurrency market cap. And um, through leverage with Chainlink and uh, bringing total market cap data on chain, uh, we've able to develop a system that collateralizes the asset and brings the entire crypto market cap to users via a single solution. One of the interesting aspects of this project, um, as someone who's been covering the institutional side of crypto and speaking with players who are trying to offer various indexes, we've seen the launch recently of a number of exchange-traded products in Canada, there's a lot of momentum behind this, this space. My question for Preston, who is deep in Ethereum as a developer and can speak to this, how does it sort of work from the technical side, um, offering a token that is collateralized in ETH and is also able to sort of offer the entire value of the market in a way that's safe and secure? How does that work? Yeah, exactly. So with TCAP, we've designed this synthetic asset that essentially tracks the entire cryptocurrency market capitalization whereas the price of tcap 
directly correlates with the price of the total market cap of everything, right? So what we originally thought, uh, and I think the go-to thing is what most people think of with these indices is that they want to set up a token basket, right? And and it's a great idea, except that if you're trying to go as big as we're trying to go, get as much exposure as we're trying to do, it's just not possible to hold all of the cryptocurrencies that are out there. There are thousands and they're changing all the time. In value, you have to do it with rebalancing and all those other things. So we see um, a lot of other products that are launching with like a top 10 index or like a DeFi index or something like that. So we went with the synthetic route, right? And without just printing these tokens and printing money, we, we wanted to ensure that these tokens actually had value with them and do this in a trust minimized and decentralized way. So what we've done is we've done it on the blockchain with on Ethereum with smart contract development. We took the, uh, a well-established model of backing these assets, um, backing TCAP with other cryptocurrencies. So we call this the crypto collateralized model, where for every TCAP that exists, there is some other token of value. And it doesn't have to be a basket or every kind of asset that's out there. It's just something of value. So Ether, Bitcoin, stablecoin like DAI, any kind of something of value can back TCAP. So does that mean I need to hold one of those assets, whether it's Ethereum or or, or DAI, to then engage with TCAP? Right. So I, I think I think the best way to, to answer this is, as you had said earlier, you know, we partnered up with uh, Chainlink for getting data, right? And the biggest issue was figuring out a method to bring centralized data of real-time crypto market cap onto the blockchain, right? So Chainlink takes data from five different providers, you know, CoinMarketCap, CoinGecko, uh, Nomics, to name a few, and puts that data on chain. And then Cryptex aggregates that data so let's say total market cap is 130 billion, uh, 1.3 trillion dollars. Excuse me. So, like an index would, you hit that data with a divisor of 10. So now, 1.3 trillion is let's say 130 dollars, right? And now, the nominalized asset of 130 dollars moves in lockstep to the metric that it tracks, which is total crypto market cap. And now you essentially have an algorithm that's running and takes wrapped Bitcoin or wrapped ETH or DAI and collateralizes this $130 metric with the underlying. So now the underlying is moving as if it was total crypto market cap. So you have exposure to the entire sector via a single solution. It's going to move in real time. And it eliminates the need to have a basket of indices or a basket of tokens. It's just, it's tracking and it's doing what it's supposed to do. And that's providing exposure to the entire sector. And Frank, we feel like, you know, you could do this with with any subset of data. You can bring it on chain and collateralize it. So in the future, Cryptex will be rolling out, you know, we're starting with TCAP, but we'll be rolling out Bitcoin and altcoin dominance, 24-hour volume, Bitcoin hash rate. Gas, you know, one thing that we hear a lot nowadays is, you know, gas fees are are very expensive and, you know, people are exchanging things and paying gas. So you'll have the ability just like an airline to purchase a gas token and, and hedge the gas prices 
and uh, deploy the gas token at a future date when gas is high to offset your costs. There's just so many different things you can do simply by collateralizing on-chain data. And uh, we're very happy to be one of the first to do it this way and uh, hope that it, it has a positive impact on the market. Joe, we've we've talked about this probably, if not a dozen times, then a hundred times. And you know, I find this interesting interesting given the fact that so many folks from the traditional Wall Street world are trying to crack this egg and you guys are coming at it from a more decentralized route. Right. In your conversation with people who find this product interesting from the more you mentioned, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, traditional firms or investors who find this product interesting, why would they want to allocate vis-a-vis something that is dependent on Chainlink oracles or any sort of decentralized system right. uh, versus you know, a more established firm like a CBOE or NASDAQ? Right. So, so Frank, I, I think that, you know, there's going to definitely be an opportunity for both, right? You know, you have right now total crypto market cap sitting around 1.4 trillion, which is, you know, one metric that's essentially like the size of Google, right? And in that you have DeFi as a space, which is worth 38, let's call it 38 and a half billion. And that's literally like the equivalent of like, you know, 10 game stops. And you look at the growth, you know, a year ago and, um, you know, you had DeFi at $700 million and it's basically 6 x in a year. And while 6Xing in a year is only literally like 3% of total market cap. So we feel like the demand for people looking for decentralized assets is going to continue to grow exponentially. And while that's growing, you know, Wall Street will do its thing and still capture family offices and hedge funds and traditional money. But there's also going to be this group that's emerging that's going to be looking for pure DeFi plays. And we want to be, you know, Cryptex, we want to be like one of the signature names when people look for, you know, collateralizing assets and metrics that uh, they can come aboard and, and join us. So, you know, to answer your question, I think that there's the opportunity in both. And um, just to circle back on one thing with Chainlink, you know, they are bringing data like on chain that's that's their purpose you know in, in this it's to bring the data on chain and um we kind of handle the rest from there sure and i think that the institutional interest in DeFi is definitely growing i, I don't want to make it seem like i'm anti-defi or or whatever we've seen reports come out from firms like alliance bernstein that kind of outlines what what their clients should know i think morgan stanley put out a smaller note in that similar vein I wonder, you know, with that in mind, Joe, is there any way that this underpinning technology can bring change to the way that indexing works in traditional finance? Um, I actually think that when you look at exchanges, for example, you know, a lot of them in the future, I feel like, take Uniswap, for example. Like I read a report from the block, Uniswap did 30 billion in volume, you know, for January. And as a percentage of like New York Stock Exchange volume, that's going to continue to get, you know, bigger and bigger over over time. So, you know, with, with that said, it's like you have Wall Street and you have funds that are, are going to be making, you know, more and more changes to, you know, DEXs. I mean, you saw it originally where you had, you know, trading conducted over the counter on exchanges and then it switched to dark pools and it was just a, an evolution of how these funds, you know, did business, right? And I think that as the time goes by, you're going to continue to see that 
exchange extend into you know DeFi, where you have you know tokenized equities and you have tokenized options and you have all these tokenized systems that are functioning autonomously on on the blockchain. And uh, you know from there, I think Ethereum that's that's going to continue to play a, a huge part in that role. And I think a great a great pivot to Preston a little bit to talk about you know some of the things he's seeing on Ethereum as as a builder of Ethereum too. I think this would be a great time to you know jump over to him a little bit and ask a couple of questions about that. Yeah, I think it's a really good question maybe for Preston to talk about the degree to which folks see an opportunity to to build. We've seen mutual funds impacted by the rollout of ETFs and and maybe now this is the next wave where ETFs could be disrupted by ETH 2.0, decentralized finance, etc. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I've been working on Ethereum for three years or so. And just in, you know, in the time I got started, it was it was all about building your own token and token offerings and these ICOs and things like that and all these projects coming coming to fruition uh, right away. And then now we're in this paradigm where DeFi seems to be ruling the space because there is just so much you can do, you know, integrating all these projects when you're in this open public blockchain, it just, it kind of unlocks a lot of potential use cases that are either difficult to do in the traditional finance sense or, or just impossible because of either regulation or lack of cooperation between organizations. Ethereum is this open, decentralized, public, anyone can build on anything kind of infrastructure. So just, I mean, it's just really great to see all the DeFi stuff that's coming out. Is this something that you thought about when you set out to build a project? Like, did you think about the ways people would be trying to capture the market in various ways? Obviously, there's value in it, and we'll talk about that at a certain point. Nasdaq, for instance, has offered an index that captures Chainlink, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin, Ethereum. There are investors that want to tap into this broader range of assets, but do you think that you'd be operating in a realm where larger players would also be looking to offer these types of services? Um, I mean, I, I you know, me as, as a person, I, I, I kind of love, you know, challenges, right? Like if it was easy, there would really be, you know, it wouldn't be as fun. And I think that, you know, when you have, a NASDAQ or you have a CBOE or you have a CME or, you know, whichever, whichever firm, these are, these are behemoths. These are the titans of industry and the things, the systems that they've built. It's mind blowing, right? Like, and then, you know, you watch that, you watch all these brilliant people that are building wonderful things that will absolutely make a difference in the space. And then you look at DeFi and then you look at Ethereum. And you look at these systems that started out as nothing, right? And it almost makes you think there was a time when, you know, NASDAQ and these, these, they were once upon a time, they were also, you know, very small, right? Like when they first started out, they didn't capture as much of the flow as they did now. And they grow over time and they become the behemoths that they become. And you look at DeFi at the moment and you kind of have the same feeling, you know, you kind of like, even, even from you know, December of 19 until now, like watching it grow from $600 million to, you know, $40 billion. And to be able to partake in that space, you know, I I think it's a wonderful thing. And I'm not really sure, you know, with NASDAQ or CME or CBOE, like how fast they get into DeFi, but we're in DeFi now. 
and we get the opportunity to bring TCAP to the market now. And, you know, at, at some point, I think it'll be really cool to see the things that, that they create and that they bring out and the indexes and, you know, all the different things that they bring to traditional retail investors. But for right now, we have a 40 billion market cap that's completely untapped with TCAP. And we have the opportunity to bring that. And we hope that uh, the people love it and the people find it for what we built it for, which is a use case to do something different that doesn't exist yet. And we think that there's a lot of opportunity in such a such a product. I mean, even with Testnet, Frank, you know, we have we've had Testnet live for a month. We have thousands of people using it. We have over five point two million dollars, you know, currently staked to it. And every every single day, we have hundreds of people that ask us, like, when when is Mainnet? Like, when is TCAP? When can I can I get it on Uniswap? When am I able to to use this? And for us. You know, we've kind of taken a little bit more of if you're going to do something, do it right approach. And not to say others aren't doing that as well, but for us, you know, it's about building something that is completely decentralized that really does, you know, change change the game. And and as you see with a lot of decentralized platforms and tokens, uh, there's usually other components to that. And that's one thing. If if we can, I'd like to have Preston get a little bit into. What makes Cryptex and what makes TCAP uh, slightly different from uh, some of the competitors? What's coming? Yeah, I'd love to hear that perspective from Preston. Yeah, so Cryptex building TCAP. Um, the goal here is that we want this platform to be as decentralized as possible and trust minimized. So everything is you know transparently built on the open blockchain. All of our sources published and. You know, what we're really trying to do is take the embrace the DeFi movement and the ethos behind DeFi. Um, so whatever motivates you in, in DeFi, if that's um, being your own bank or like going against Wall Street or whatever, you know, like we've seen with the GameStop movement. I mean, that's TCAP and what Cryptex disability is on the same spirit of DeFi. So when you're looking at uh, why you choose TCAP over you know, some other, let's say, just like token basket or or even uh, like a centralized index offering. What's all about, you know, do you believe in this technology? Do you believe in DeFi and decentralized finance and like empowering yourself and being your own bank and just really unlocking that next level of, of finance that we've seen, you know, with people in Robinhood, with the GameStop things recently, and then getting blocked from selling or trading that just doesn't happen it can't happen on a platform like ethereum with the way the contracts are written it's always online 24 7 the markets don't close and it's just it's just an amazing technology that can have a huge impact backed is the digital wallet of the future empowering you to manage all of your digital assets from a single place back puts the power in your hands to get your crypto loyalty and rewards points and gift cards together to choose how you want to use them Treat your digital assets just like cash and convert, send, or spend them using Back. Get started today and get it together with Back. Sign up for the early access program at backed, B-A-K-K-T.com. 
And I also want to take a moment to thank Kraken, the cryptocurrency exchange. For the last 10 years, Kraken has been known as one of the best platforms for trading crypto online, whether it's your first trade or your 100th. Kraken has the tools to help you hit your financial goals in crypto. With Kraken, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or earn additional rewards through their industry-leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit Kraken.com now to learn more. The question of scaling is becoming more and more relevant. The question of whether you know, we can scale this technology. There's obviously no way we can move the entirety of equity capital markets to crypto or Ethereum, but at some point that is the goal, right? How do you think about that, especially as an ETH 2.0 dev? Is this something that's possible? All right. Well, scale, scaling means different things to a lot of people. So maybe we should clarify what, what you mean by scaling. Do you mean like transactions per second or... You look at stuff like gas costs, the bottlenecking of transactions, and you're the expert here, so I'd love to have you break it down, the various metrics we see. And then how ETH 2.0 then expedites that that degree of scaling. Yeah, so that's really been my entire involvement in Ethereum. Is I, I came across this technology that we we think is great. A lot of people think it's great, but it's actually pretty slow. And as we're seeing, you know, with the gas usage being this dynamic fee-based market or uh, demand-based fee market, gas prices are rising because there's so much demand out there. And what it what that kind of means is that the blockchain's reaching its throughput capacity, whether you're measuring that in transactions per second or data stored on chain the blockchain is not going as fast as it needs to go, especially for for global adoption, right? So what we're working on with ETH2 is um, kind of upgrading the entire protocol of Ethereum so that we're able to run multiple Ethereum chains in parallel. And with that, we, you know, for example, if we can do, let's say 15 transactions per second. Now on Ethereum, if we are running 60 of those in parallel, well, that's a, a 60 times improvement, you know, ignoring some overhead. But it doesn't stop there with ETH2. I mean, um, ETH2 is the, the layer one scaling solution. So at the protocol level, how do we make the blockchain itself go faster? And then, of course, we have these like layer two solutions, which are things like you've seen uh, Bitcoin, like Lightning Network and other kind of techniques we can do to to move some of that on-chain volume, so those transactions and things like that, move that off-chain and still be able to reconcile it maybe in a batch transaction or a summary onto Ethereum. Um, and even going beyond that, we have, there's been a lot of research looking into zero knowledge, using zero knowledge proofs to, to fulfill that kind of layer two solution. So bundling transactions into one big roll-up, as they're called, uh, can be a way to save a lot on CAS and increase the throughput of Ethereum itself. So we're not too far away from seeing these uh, improvements significantly reduce the gas prices and transaction confirmation times. It's happening soon. You know, E2 just launched in December, the first phase of it, and future phases are coming out uh, this year and, the, and and next year. And there's many different types of 
projects out there that are trying to tackle this from rollups to others. And we were talking with um, Antonio Giuliano about rollups and, and how they're kind of magic in a sense. I'd, I'd like to have you unpack what makes makes this magical and how you think about it. Most of my work, research and, and development has been working on E2 at, at the protocol layer. And that's, I think, one of the most most important scaling upgrades. Uh, but all these things come you know, tie together in some way or another, where if we can upgrade the protocol, we could put more data, more data per second onto the blockchain. More data means more whatever, more transactions, more ZK rollups, um, more optimistic rollups, any of that kind of stuff. So uh, kind of leads to my next question, which is why can't we do it on the layer one level? And maybe we can, that's the point and that's the driving your involvement. But why do we need all these sort of peripheral initiatives if we can get it done? Well, so Ethereum is this, you know, world computer, right? And with computers, when you're starting to utilize this machine to the maximum, it can be utilized. So, you're, you know, if it's like CPU processing, like rendering video or anything like that, you're, you're maxing out uh, your CPU. So... What do you do if you need to do more work in, in a, a given amount of time is you upgrade this machine. Either you're doing a what's called a, a vertical scaling, which means to upgrade that machine itself and make it more beefier. Maybe it has two CPUs instead of one. And then the other technique is a horizontal scaling, which means instead of having one computer, now I have two of them. And those two computers, which have identical hardware, now I can do twice as much work in the same amount of time. So when we're talking about Ethereum being this poor computer, well, we we if if we say to everybody and say, okay, we're going to do the vertical scaling approach, and we're going to ask everyone everyone that runs a node in the world for Ethereum just to buy uh, enterprise grade server hardware. Well, then we just shut out a lot of people that were trying to use the blockchain. It's just not it's just not a viable solution. So we have to come up with these other workarounds. We have to be more clever about how transactions are getting included onto the blockchain. That's doing magic, like with ZK rollups or optimistic rollups. That's um, using horizontal, horizontal scaling techniques like sharding with ETH2. Uh, and all these things kind of work together. So this, And especially with Layer 2, which is you know doing things elsewhere on another machine and then bringing it back to the original Ethereum world computer. All these things tie together to make Ethereum go faster and reach that scale it needs to to operate uh, at the levels of, you know, traditional finance, Wall Street, Visa, and these other big tech um, infrastructure. I'm sure there are many people listening who are thinking about the juxtaposition between Wall Street and the things that folks like you and Preston are working on. When we think about what's going on in DeFi relative to the traditional world of finance, does it present an attractive alternative? Joe will find this funny because he knows me. I was speaking with my buddy who's a middle school teacher in Queens about Bitcoin, and and he had me on uh, to talk about it for career day. And this one kid asked me why I should care about this as an eighth grader. And I feel like someone who might be just exploring finance or DeFi and Ethereum right now, people listening might have the same question. Why should I care and why is it better than the existing system? And of course, you know, there's the transparency of it, et cetera, but how do we lay that out for them? Well, 
I mean, from 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 what I see, you know, in terms of ETH two, I believe. And Preston, please please correct me with my with my math because you know you're the ETH two guy. But from what I see is that you know ETH two right now has about five billion dollars of deposits that are currently staked to to the network, right? And of which, you know, Preston, who is also the CEO and co-founder of Prismatic Labs, if I'm not mistaken, Frank, 65% of that market share, or about uh, $3 billion and change, is flowing through Prism. Is that is that correct, Preston? Yeah, something like that. I mean, we don't have a perfect picture of the network topology, but the Prism ETH2 client from Prismatic Labs is one of the more popular ones by network usage. And we think it's around 60, 65%. Right. So, so where, where I was, where I'm going with that is that it's going to take time, you know, to, to scale up. But if you look at it right now, I mean, the market cap of MasterCard is what? $332 billion, right? So it's like they're processing payments at, at a ridiculous speed. At one point, man, you know, you and me, we were in Macy's and we would buy something, you know, 10, 15 years ago and they would take out a credit card and they would run it through a machine and take a print copy of it and, and give it to you. Right. So it's like from a scaling perspective, they, they've gone from that to where now they're doing, you know, thousands of transactions a second. And I, I kind of look at ETH2 as the beginning of, of the same thing. You have this you know, already there's $5 billion that are staked to ETH2, $3 billion of which is staked to PRISM, which is basically 1% of MasterCard's entire market cap, right? And now how long did it take for that to scale to, to that point? You know, it matter of months. So if you exponentiate that over time, from a scaling perspective, as ETH figures out the different solutions and different things that they're, they're working to accomplish with sharding or with, with other aspects of the protocol, you would imagine that scaling will become much faster, uh, gas fees will become much lower, and they will continue to make the changes that they need to make to properly scale up the system. At least that's that's how I, I see it. You know, Preston, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree that, you know, Ethereum is just still in these early stages of becoming into its final form. So we, we're aware of some scaling issues, we're aware of some of the uh, user issues with um, how the system was developed. And ETH2 is the, this opportunity that we have to, to rewrite and redo uh, a lot of the you know, things that were, were decided early on uh, as either trade-offs to, to get the platform launched or just thing, lessons that have been learned in the last five or six years of Ethereum's um, been running and getting traction. And, and we're seeing you know, a lot of uh, mainstream adoption or at least interest in in the platform. So what happens next? What happens next with Cryptex? Walk us through the journey. You mentioned some per peripheral projects. What's going on there? Right. That's a that's a that's a great question and what I would just like to say is that while we're coming up with all of these ideas, you know, total market cap, which is obviously going to be the flagship and then, you know, Bitcoin altcoin dominance, 24-hour volume, hash, gas, all these different data-backed, you know, collateralized assets that we're creating to keep in line with the decentralized protocol. Preston has something I think that he wants to share with regards to what Cryptex is is dropping alongside Tcap. Press. Sure. So with Tcap, the goal 
has always been to make this as decentralized and open as possible. So uh, what we're trying to do with TCAP here is to have the community govern the protocol itself. So there are some parameters of TCAP that are adjustable over time. For example, um, fees associated with burning and minting of TCAP and the collateralization ratio, what types of collateral there should be. Um, so with with TCAP, there will be launched a governance token that comes along with this. And the governance token is bootstrapped to early TCAP users, liquidity providers, and um, other types of users that we want to incentivize. So we think that with this kind of model and system that TCAP will be true to the DeFi decentralized ethos and kind of fulfill the mission of providing this product in, in the trust-minimized and decentralized way. So long story short, Frank, look out for CTX. And I think that's an excellent way to cap off the episode, to TCAP off the episode. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Frank. Thanks, Frank. See you later. Opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service.